Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is hilarious, by the way. It is, but is it's so a long funny. time coming. It's a long, long time coming. What's the weather like in Cyprus? Uh, it's cloudy, but sunny. And on the cooler side but I don't think it's really that cool when you consider London's at about five degrees and it's 18 here. So very, very much a Sydney person to say that 18 degrees is on the cooler side of things. It's five degrees uh, in London. Are you serious? That is. I think so. I, I haven't actually looked. I don't, I don't check, but um, I spoke to Raya last night and she said it's about six degrees during the day. Oh my gosh. Do so, you mean Freya as in Freya, the girl that I introduced you to? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Amazing yeah. place. Well, it just started bucketing down with rain here right when I wanted some peace and quiet to record this. So if there's some ambience in the form of raindrops falling really hard on the ground, I deeply apologise for that. It's just a meditation video, you know, the ones that have... <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> yeah exactly um and what's the time in cyprus it's 10 a.m i have to, I have to look because i the clock in my car is an hour ahead uh, so it's 10 a.m i'm parked on this dead end of a side street in the back of nowhere the view is incredible, I won't lie. There's mountains and really big, well, not mountains, but hills and big houses and it looks really nice. But I, I'm also worried that this random house that I've parked in front of is going to come out and question what I'm doing here. <sighs> Some random uh, girl parked talking to herself in the car. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'll, I'll explain. I'm doing a football podcast. What are you talking about? Okay, okay, fair enough. Justified. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, this is, this is the start of something amazing, I think. But given that it is our very first recording, actually, let's not lie, this isn't the first time we've tried to do this. About seven months ago, no, more than 11 that. months ago. You're kidding. 11 months. That's just embarrassing. It was 11 I'm months. I'm pretty ago. sure it was, it was New Year's Day, wasn't it? Or at the start of the year when I was in Barcelona. Yeah. So I was living in Spain. We'll get into our backgrounds and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I was living in Barcelona and they had come to spend New Year's with me. And We'd said for so long, let's have a football podcast. We're the only two girls we know who talk about football the way that we do, live and breathe it. We're totally obsessed, equally as obsessed, I'd say. And we've wanted to just sit down and talk about everything that we think for a long time. And we've given it a go. And it just never really kicked off, did it? Mind the pun. 
Yeah, I was about to pick up on that. Uh, no, we, well, we had the issue of not being in the same country and then being in completely different time zones yeah. and trying to make it work with those issues is not the easiest. No, I, I think it's funny that we're actually finally doing it and we couldn't be further from each other than, than before. Before it was a one hour time difference you know, it would have been so simple, but now we've decided to uh, to do this with what a ten-hour difference. I'm in Australia, May is in Cyprus, and we're gonna make beautiful. It we're gonna make it work. So, look, May, why don't you just start? Tell me a little bit about how you got into football, where it all kind of came from. I mean, look. Let's be real. We've had this conversation before. I know about you. You know about me. Um, yeah. Anyone listening who doesn't know our backgrounds and kind of why we care so much about the sport, let's just explain it. So I'll let you go first. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I do get that question a lot, uh, being in the UK and being a girl who likes football, who is also Australian people do really wonder where that comes from because for starters Australia is not as big a football country as as England and then secondly I guess well I think it's actually more surprising I get the feeling girls football is less popular in the UK than it is in Australia but my background I have an older brother I think that's that's the starting point I have an older brother we had male neighbours. His three best friends were over all the time. And frankly, I was a bit of a tomboy as a child. Uh, I would run around following them, play backyard cricket, backyard soccer. And I say soccer because that's what it was when I was growing up. And I'd, <laughs> I mean, it is. And it's funny because even now I, I stopped calling it soccer. I call it football. But when I talk about the sport in an Australian context, my mind reverts to soccer because that's what it was to me in Australia. Isn't that, anyway. Can I just interject for a moment? It's very funny having a similar experience with living overseas and calling it football um, and then coming here and then kind of mixing it up between football and soccer. And when I say soccer, friends look at me like, are you okay, Kat? Like, why did you say that? <laughs> They're like, are you feeling okay? And it's just because I feel like sometimes I'm, I have to adjust. I have to speak the language that we speak here. And yeah. even though we have Sydney Football Club and Melbourne City Football Club, we'll still call it soccer. So I think it makes sense why they call it soccer in Australia, because if you say football, there are four different sports you could be referring to. Yeah. And if you realise none of the other codes of football call themselves football, they all have a different a name or a nickname or a way people refer to it. So the term football doesn't actually refer to one specific sport in Australia and they, they all have a different name, which makes sense. Uh, but on, on the flip side, when I say football in, in England, I always get the question, what are you actually talking about? Are you talking about soccer or, or American football? And <laughs> it's so frustrating because if I said soccer, I would get yelled out for saying soccer. 
But when I say football, people question what I'm actually talking about. And that has happened a fair few times. Yeah. How funny. Anyway. I remember that when I came and visited you in London and people would be like, oh, you know, oh, for example, I have a blog. I talk about football. And when I say to people, oh, I have a blog where I write about football, they go, oh, like, like what kind of football? I'm like, where yeah. is it? Like, we're in England. Yeah. What other kind of football would I be talking about? They're only saying it because we're Australian. I know. They don't, they don't expect an Australian to call it football, which is frustrating because it's all when you don't call it football, they, they make fun of you. But if you do call it football, they question you. It's, you can't win. The irony, the irony, the irony. Um, and then, so I guess years of kind of interacting with it, with your brother, your neighbours, yeah so my my first memory of watching football was the 98 world cup qualifier playoff between australia and iran and for those of you listening at home uh my family background is iranian which is why this game was i guess quite quite a a, a um, not a milestone, uh, quite significant yes, for, for me. And it's why I remember it. I, I definitely know I would have watched soccer, football before that. Yeah. But this this is my first real memory of it. And it's the first World Cup I remember. I would have been too young for the 94 World Cup. But the 98 playoff, Australia versus Iran, it was the second. So Australia was still in the Oceania uh, confederation at that point Iran was in is was still is in the Asian confederation and then it was the playoff for the last spot in the world cup and so whoever won this match and it was the second match because it's the two match home and away thing and whoever won this match would go through to the world cup I can't remember the score of the first match but uh, I believe it was I think it was a I think it was a draw. Anyway, the game finished two all and Iran went through on away goals. And the entire time watching it, I couldn't decide who I was going for. I remember my brother was supporting Iran. His best friend was supporting Australia. I can't remember what my parents were thinking. And I, I was one second, I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm supporting Iran. And then the next, I'm like, no, I'm supporting Australia. So back and forth and then Iran wins. And obviously I, I proclaimed that I was supporting Iran all along. Of course. And of course, you're seven years old. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Uh, and I go to school the next day and there were kids in my class fuming uh, about, I don't know, about what, about Australia not winning. Yeah. But, but that's my first memory of watching football. And following that, the actual World Cup, which was in a few months time afterwards uh, six months later probably uh, when the world cup was actually on i was in iran which was quite incredible to to watch iran play yeah. in the world cup in iran uh my biggest takeaway from that is the australia sorry not australia the iran versus usa game which you can understand politically is a big deal yeah. And Iran, Iran actually won. Um, I don't think I obviously didn't realize the, gra the gravity of the of the game at the time. But thinking back on it now, I can understand why people were 
so ecstatic about winning that game. Totally. It's funny, right? And I think it'll come up a lot as we progress with this podcast, but kind of the cultural backgrounds, there's constantly overtones and undertones of culture throughout football. And when, especially during the World Cup, when certain countries play each other, often there's a lot of meaning to it outside of the game itself. Um, and I think even in growing up in Australia, like there's a lot of football history here that's quite violent and quite sad, you know, the reality of it. And arguably the reason why the, the sport hasn't become what it could be here because of the, the negative connotations around it. But I mean, I'd love to go into that in more detail at some stage because I think it's really interesting and a lot of people don't really know about it. But um, I might just jump in and give a bit of, I guess, what got me into the sport as well. Very yeah, go on. You may, very similar. I have an older brother. I used to watch him play and I would run up and down the sidelines and my mum would watch me, you know, run with the team. So that wherever the ball was, I was, but on the sideline trying to kick it and pretend. And she's like, what is my daughter doing? And she would enroll me in netball, which was just the sport that all girls played in primary school. Yeah. I hated it. I loathed it. I never wanted to go. Um, and after a year of that, I said to my mom, please enroll me in the local soccer club. And she did. So I was the only girl playing with a bunch of boys for about four years which was so great for my social status. Uh, I was the only <laughs> eight-year-old girl getting invited to the boys' birthday parties, which, you know, made me just the envy of all the girls. Little did they know that the boys just saw me as a boy. But um, it was a lot of, it was fun. And I think I've always associated that kind of social side of, of the game with it. And still to this day, I always, put in effort with my team and people that I play with to get to know them. And I think that's a whole other element to the sport that I just love um, is how social it is. Um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I guess that's a perfect transition to how we met. We literally met because of my brother, but, but because we started playing together and yeah. we realized we were the same person. <laughs> it's funny because it was, for those for, I guess for, yeah to put some context into it your brother would always talk about how we're both very similar but when we actually met yes we are similar but so many of the things we're similar on are also very trivial yeah. which is quite funny that we hit those really su superficial things but at the yeah. same time on a deeper level we are very similar yeah. and every time we would talk we would have this moment just thinking we're the same person. I feel exactly the same way. I remember there was this one evening where our game got cancelled and we were both at the, we'd both, you know, gone to the venue where we were supposed to play. Yeah. And yeah, it got cancelled. So we were like, hey, let's just go on a long walk. Let's get some exercise. And we learned so much about each other and realised just how similar we were. And then yeah, I, I think that was the yeah. that was the point. Yeah, I it was it's quite funny, isn't it? How quickly you can kind yeah. of connect with someone. And now I feel like I've known you forever. 
I know. Yeah. It's been but a few years, which is still. It's, it has been a bit of time now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then at a really similar point in time, May and I decided to move overseas, different places. So May went to the UK about five months before I moved to Spain. And yeah, I mean, I guess now we find ourselves again in different locations, but we still talk all the time. We are constantly debriefing on various soccer games, football games. Sorry. See, now I'm, I'm having an existential crisis with that word. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's that one kind of connection that we have to each other that I don't have with other friends. And I think I definitely seek that out in you. And that's a huge part of why I want to have this podcast as a way of connecting with you regularly and talking about it because it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. And it's the thing is we would have phone calls and actually just chat about what's going on and who did what or whatever we'd actually sit there and chat about football over the phone so why not record it and share our fantastic insights with everyone else exactly and uh which i think that means we should actually start talking about a bit of football if i may um if i may get it anyway sorry i'm so sorry (laughs) Um, so i'm kat you're may and this is football chat with May and Kat. Oh, so cute. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right. So let's talk about the week that has been. I mean, we've seen a few insane things happen this week in the world of football. I think the elephant yeah. in the room is the fact that Maradona passed away relatively suddenly um, despite having health issues that everyone kind of knew about. I don't think anyone expected him to pass away so young. No, not at all. I mean, I'm interested to hear how it was received, you know, overseas in Europe where you were, because I know here it was, it was all over the news. And if something sport related is all over the news in Australia, it usually means that it's important. It's a big deal, especially, well, I mean, especially if it's soccer. Uh, I say soccer because it's Australia, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you don't you don't often get big soccer news in Australia. No way. No, I mean Maradona is a big deal, so it it makes sense. Um, well, I I've been in Cyprus, and the people I hang out with in Cyprus do not really watch or follow football, so I haven't so much been talking to anyone about it or discussing it i've i've look at obviously bbc news and international news and it's been very widely talked about online and and the sports pundits are all talking about it and it's it's on every every football show that everyone has been touching on it twitter's been going nuts so the internet is my source of i guess reading about what's happened or or find or I guess engaging with what's happened. But here where I am, I I don't think I've had a single conversation about it. Wow, there you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I found out I I was on my work team meeting and had opened the news while I was on the Zoom call, WebEx call, and I kind of gasped in the middle of the team meeting when I saw the headline, and then I we briefly discussed it in amongst my team, but very very briefly. Yeah, and then that was kind of it. Yeah, I mean. I think it's one of those things. It, it's funny. I woke up being obviously Australia again. Um, I woke up to messages from yeah, just three, or, three yeah. or four different people telling me, have you heard the news? And I, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm a football fan and I speak openly about that. So people are going to, to assume that it's something that I need to know about. But it just interested me how the people that were asking me about it were people who like I've never spoken to about the sport before. So I think it's something that really did affect a lot of people because it's a little bit like, you know, 2020, we've lost a lot of people that we probably never expected to lose. So young, like Kobe Bryant, for example. And this isn't like Kobe Bryant in the sense that we all know the kind of life that Maradona lived. And I think you know, Kobe dying in, in, a, in an accident with his daughter is, is a total tragedy, whereas Maradona passing away, probably what is likely a cause of, you know, the lifestyle that he lived. Yeah. Um, I think it's just shocking because it's just a reminder to people that, you know, these guys are human, right? And I think 2020 yeah. has been that year for a lot of people of realising that, you know, that we no one's invincible and the guy that you have a poster up hanging, you know, your whole life idolizing him, you know, he can pass away at the drop of a hat as well. You know, it can happen to anyone. And I think it was, I think just shocking for people in that sense. Yeah. And it also, it's testament to, to how, I guess, how, wide Maradona's legacy was because people who don't follow the sport don't care about the sport know who he is they they know what a big deal it it is that he has passed Uh, so it just goes to show I guess it's yeah every generation has those people I, I don't follow basketball but of course I know who Kobe Bryant is and and a handful of other basketballers yeah but it goes to show these people who are legends in whatever they do uh, are known around the world, even by people who don't care about what they do. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, it's just one of those things where it, it affects everyone one way or another, whether you're a fan of him or not. The thing about Maradona when it comes to the game is that he in my opinion, it was the first player to make it look like art, you know. Yes. To have moves named after you, to have, you know, technical moves named after you. That's how you know that you've had a real impact <laughs> on the game. Um, yeah. I grew up literally just, like, always wanting to know how to do the Maradona. Do you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where, you know, he played for some massive clubs. He impacted cities and countries you know like go to naples and you see shrines uh and he was from argentina he wasn't even italian so Mm. one of those things where 
he had such an impact. And I think seeing that loss, you just, it, I think it has a ripple effect on the industry and, and it makes uh, everyone realize that even the best can, can fall to weakness, I suppose. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Getting a bit negative now. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it also shows on a brighter note, the passion that Italians and Argentines, Argentinians uh, have for football and how important yeah. it is to them. And not just as a sport, but as, as part of their culture, part of their lifestyle. And, and it's really ingrained in their lives that these people are that important to them. Totally. Like you, I couldn't and say it better. The passion that they have for the sport is well beyond just a sport. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's part of who they are. It's part of their life. And it's quite beautiful. Um, a little crazy sometimes, but beautiful. Quite crazy, I'd say. Quite crazy. Yeah. If you've ever watched, if you, if you haven't, or if you have the chance at some point, watching football, watching Argentina play or watching football in Argentina is nuts. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely an experience yeah. uh, to see just how passionate they really are about it. Absolutely. And I think like on a, on a final kind of note about Maradona, I think, you know, a lot of people didn't, don't realise how legendary he was in the sense that these days, when you think of legends, you think of Messi and Ronaldo in the game. You, Ibrahimovic wants to be that, but like at the end of the day... <laughs> It's Messi and it's Ronaldo, I think, will always be like those top guns for our generation. Yeah. There are yeah. players, don't get me wrong, but the debate seems to always be between Messi and Ronaldo. For the current generation, definitely, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm talking for like right now. But then when you look at Maradona, yeah, he has something that Messi will never have. And that's the fact that he won the World Cup with Argentina. Oh, Messi is going to hate that you said that. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sorry. Um, but it's just gone. He needs to. It is. It is. No, I, I love Messi, but it's his, I'm sure it's the one thing that keeps him up at night. He, he feels, he probably feels that he's done everything he can, but still hasn't got that World Cup. Yeah. And I think that's something that until the next Argentinian legend comes around, like Maradona will always one up Messi in that sense. Um, but yeah, look, we could go on forever. But something I really did want to talk about was something we spoke about last night, which was the Jimenez injury uh, in the game against Arsenal. So for those who don't know, there was a high impact tackle. Could you would you call it that between was it David Luiz? I don't. And it wasn't even a tackle. It was just a collision. Really? It was ball was in the air. David Luiz went for it and his head hit Jimenez's head. Yeah. And we find out about, you know, this time last night that Jimenez has a fractured skull from the injury. And I was reading a lot of reports saying, you know, this is a real sign of, of where the game is heading. Um, the violence, I suppose. And look, I beg to differ. I think if anything, the game is getting more controlled 
I wouldn't say that I'm noticing more violence than before um, or more injuries than before. Although, although I'm a Liverpool fan. And if you're a Liverpool <laughs> fan right now, you understand what I mean when I say that we are absolutely plagued by injuries in the Premier League. Yeah, and- yes, there are, there are more injuries right now, but they're not violence injuries. Oh. They're muscle injuries as a result of, I mean, okay. apart from Van Dyke, but so they're muscle yeah, injuries exactly. as a result of the ridiculous schedule that they're all playing right yeah. now. Yes. And I think that's a real issue. The fact that you've got the same 11 people on the pitch playing multiple times a week at kind of the highest caliber of football that you can play. And that's a lot to ask of anyone. Yeah. And when you think about it, they played on the weekend, uh, which a number of teams, but they played on the weekend. They'll play tonight, tomorrow night, Thursday night in Europe and then they'll be back on the weekend again. Yeah. And it's the thought of playing at that intensity three times within seven days. It's, it's crazy. And no wonder people are getting injured. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, you hear the, the managers are all yapping on about the broadcasters need to align their schedules so that players have more of a break. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that, but at the same time, I, there's not—I mean, there's nothing I can do or say about it. It's, it's up, it's out of our hands. But it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that these people are being forced into doing this, and they're, yeah, they're, it's almost as though they get forgotten about that they're human. Yeah, and I, but this takes us back to you know this whole thing about Maradona and Kobe Bryant and these kind of legends passing away and Jimenez getting a fractured skull like these are all examples of how the guys you know that we look up to can be broken and when you look at Liverpool and the state of the team right now the way that you know like you said they're consistently forced to continue to play at such a high caliber and don't get me wrong. Every time I switch on a game that Liverpool is playing on, I am expecting a top for a top performance. I'm guilty of it myself. I know when they play Atalanta versus when they play, you know, Manchester City, the caliber might be different and they might put a different kind of squad on the pitch. But at the end of the day, I'm still expecting the highest quality football. And when I don't see it, I'm extremely disappointed. And then I'm reminded that They've played three games this week already or they've played two games already this week. And, you know, a a single human being is only capable of so much output. So, you know, I get it. But at the same time, they're also being paid to do it. And I think that's the constant debate, right? You know, these guys, this is their job. You know, I get paid to show up nine to five every day and, and give my best output how is asking a footballer to play three times a week any different to that? I, I would argue that it is different because it's a physical job and you've also got... Well, it's, it's, also, not the, it's also not the normal expectation, right? This is only happening because of the, the catch-up from yeah. the, the break from the pandemic and it's, it's not the, the normal requirement and they seemingly, but from what I can tell from their post-match interviews they just get on with it and play but uh 
but at the same time it's it's not normal and it's it's outside they're being pushed to do something that's outside what their job normally requires yeah and if if my boss was making me work an extra 50 percent uh i mean at the same time you do just get on with it but you're annoyed about it Hmm. yeah it's true it's true and i think uh, there's various ways of looking at it but at the end of the day i think we can all agree the injuries are a sign that they're being pushed to their limit. And I, I am seeing a very different output in the performance of all the teams. I mean, this has been the weirdest season ever when you look at the results. Um, oh, totally. I've ever seen the ladder, the way that it looks right now for so long. You know, it's always normal at the start of a season to see a few surprising teams in, you know, the top, the top eight. But I think right now we're definitely seeing almost like a, a new evolution of, of players and of, of teams, which is exciting. Yes, but, but I think, do you think also the positions of some of the big clubs in the second half of the table isn't actually in relation to the, the, the playing schedule or what's happened because of the pandemic. I, I think some of those teams that have fallen from grace, it's, it, there are other issues going on. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's not about what time they're playing every week. It's no, they can't, they can't use that as an excuse. And uh, I mean, but anyway, uh, it's just, yeah, they're teams that I don't support. So <laughs> it's good to see them falling down you, the table. Why don't you fill in the, uh, the listeners on who you do support and why? Okay. Uh, okay, so I I do support Crystal Palace, and I know likewise <laughs> the same the same reaction I get when I use the term football instead of soccer is probably the reaction I get when I tell people in the UK that I support Crystal Palace, and it's like it's the question is why why do you support Palace? You're Australian. You're not from South London. Uh, they're not a big club, uh, but. I do have a reason, which is obviously why you've asked me to share why I support them. And the first Premier League game I ever went to, which was in 2017, I went by myself. I was in London for work and I'd never been in London during the football season before. And so I would have really wanted to go to a game. And I'd woken up, I think the night after I got there, I'd woken up at about 4am, super jet lagged and kind of chatting to a friend at home who, who was, who said to me, it's Arsenal versus Crystal Palace tomorrow night. You should go. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll look this out. Look this up. I Googled it. I just Googled tickets to Crystal Palace versus Arsenal, StubHub, dodgy. I think I paid a hundred pounds or something ridiculous for a ticket whatever the cheapest ticket was I bought it and I thought I'll go by myself it doesn't matter I'll just go by myself Um, I want to go so I'll go and the game the game was at Selhurst Park so it was a Palace home game I went there after work on a Monday night and I get there quite early 
I don't, we, <laughs> again, my first football game. So I didn't know that people kind of just stroll into their seats just as the game starting or just before the game starting. But I got there quite early and was the only one in the stands and um, eat, <laughs> had an even dinner, got a terrible, terrible burger. So never again will I buy food at a football game. But I, as I'm sitting there, there's no one really around me, but people come and start putting flags around the seats in the section I'm in. And I'm starting to think to myself, this isn't normal. This isn't, they, you don't get flags on the seats really. And when the game starts, everyone has flags, everyone's cheering, but not everywhere, just in my section. And I'm thinking, okay, I think I'm sitting in the active fan section. So as it turned out, I was sitting with the Palace Ultras <laughs> and which is insane because it's the palace ultras i think more than any other club are insane and to actually have gotten that seat is ridiculous uh the man who was sitting next to me i was having a chat to him and he was gobsmacked one that i was australian that i was a girl that i was there in the ultra section he could not get his head around the fact that I wanted to come to a Palace game, that I even knew who Palace were. And just the whole night, he kept saying, how are you here? How are you here? This section is sold out for two years. But I had such a great time. They won. So Palace won 3-0 against Arsenal. I looked up the stats recently, and I think that's the only, one of the only games that we've beaten Arsenal in for many years. And, uh, and, it was incredible. Goal after goal after goal. So all three goals. The section went nuts. Everyone was cheering. There was song after song. It did not stop chanting for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I had the best time. That's just awesome. Like, what a story. What a story. And then to also mention, I will say, part of the other reason why I, I felt affiliated with Palace was that Mila Yedinak, uh, the former Australian captain also played there and has a great beard yes <laughs> uh and and yeah he he was part of the other reason why I or he was really part of the reason why I wanted to go to a palace game in the first place because that was the affiliation I had with the club even before I had gone to that that match that's awesome I yeah. feel like a lot of people pick teams based on players. I think that's really normal, especially if you don't grow up in a family where there's the designated teams that you have to go for. I, I love that. I love that a lot. Yeah, and I think, I mean, coming to London, you, I see this with, I guess, with other Australians that move to London and they think, oh, I need to pick a team. It, it is quite, it can be really arbitrary which team you pick. Uh, I don't think it really matters, but it is these little things that make you want to pick a team, whether it's, oh, my uncle supported this team, so I, I want to support that team as well. Or I watched this, this was the game I remember watching as a child, so that's who I care about. Or I really like this player, so I want to support his team. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's these little factors that give you some sort of affiliation to a club uh, or at the same time, it could just be completely arbitrary and you pick a team and that's it. Yeah. Um, but we, we all, I think for, us, I mean, why, 
is like why do you support Liverpool right I mean I mean, other than red being my favourite colour, but then when I say that, people are like, yeah, but you could have picked Manchester United, you could have picked Arsenal. And so I got into Liverpool right around that kind of 04, 05 season that was unbelievable, um, right when we still had Steven Gerrard. And it was just a great time to go for the club. And I was so young that... All I could really pick up on was the fact that it was exciting and that it was there was a lot going on and it just felt like the right team to go for. So I chose them because I don't have parents who care about the game um, outside of the fact that I care. The other day that actually it was it was quite cute. He said, Oh, um, yeah, Liverpool, they it was it was one all against Brighton. And I was like, hold on a second how do you know? he's never said anything like that before they've never known what's going on and he's like no I pay attention because I know how much you love it and when I hear it on the news I'll make sure to listen and I let me tell you I got a little tear in my eye because it was That's very sweet <laughs> but I think it's nice because I, I think the love I have for the club has kind of trickled out into my family and to my friends and they all take an interest now as well but yeah it, it did kind of start from nothing for me but I think I've grown to find that connection to the team and I think in a in a in, a, in another podcast we can go into detail about going to Liverpool together and how I kind of discovered that family connection to the team that I didn't know existed and yeah it's a cool story but it's not for today definitely not for today i actually think we are we're going to wrap it up because we could go on forever but i think we, we could and we do and we will but at a later stage exactly but i think for now this is a a good insight into who we are how we know each other and i guess what we where we're going with this so if you're interested in football and you want to hear two girls who are amateur players um but passionate very amateur <laughs> very amateur but very passionate then you're in the right place ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 